0: What's up everyone and welcome into episode number 46 where it is my honor and privilege to introduce a special guest joining this episode and that is a two-time national champion and the fastest basketball coach to get to 600 wins at any college level both men's and women's basketball the head coach of the hope women's basketball team coach brian marhouse thank you for joining the Podcast, Coach Morehouse.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me on tonight. I appreciate uh, you reaching out, and you've had uh, such a successful podcast. So many great coaches. I'm uh, I'm honored to be one of them.
0: Absolutely, I really do appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you joining as well. So, really, the first thing I kind of want to talk about. I've been a big Hope fan for a while. That's where I graduate from and one thing i do love about hope is that all the athletic teams are amazing the team cultures are amazing as well the coaches are as well i actually got the chance to call a couple of your games so i got to see quite a few games where you are the head coach and where the dutch flying dutch played a little bit so i want to start out with culture because as a coach in any sport at any level one of those most important jobs you have is not just coaching the athlete on the court but like the individual off the court as well can you kind of talk a little bit about not only coaching the players on the court but how you prepare them off the court as well
1: yeah absolutely um you know i think one of the one of the most important things that we can do as a coach is uh, is to connect with our players. I think it's, uh, it's good for uh, the player because I think that they're able to reach their potential. But I also think it's good for the team because if you're connected with your team um, and they know that you care about them, um, I, I believe that they will uh, perform better. They'll be better in the classroom. Uh, and I think that you have greater opportunity for growth in all facets of their life. And so I think that uh, the culture piece, what I would call the relational piece, some people call it the culture piece, but I think we're talking about the same thing, is, um, is critical to the success of the individual, but also for the growth mindset of the team.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of leading into the next question I have and like growing the player off the court and how you've been so successful at having... Um, growing these players, implementing the things you've talked about and how that's really built the culture of the team at Hope College because you've been there heading into your 27th year and you've been incredibly successful on the court. But from every player that I've met, from every person I've talked to, everyone has amazing players off the court as well. So how are you able to kind of like implement not just saying what you want the players to be but how you kind of get them to live that as well because it's hard sometimes to implement it when you have a new team every year
1: sure Uh, you know i think that's a that's a really good point i think the, the number one thing it takes is time um so i think The time that you need to invest, that you want to invest with each individual player is certainly critical. I think that the second part is um, besides the time is, you know, just having a a plan and sticking to it and keeping your messaging clear. So, for example, we have we have a a pyramid and at the bottom of it is um, is what we think are like the daily habits that we want every player to implement in their life. And they're not basketball habits. You know, some of them are, but mostly they're just life habits. Like, uh, you know, be 10 minutes early. Um, You know, when you're in a conversation, you know, put your phone down, look somebody in the eye, be an active listener. Uh, You know, it's just a, it's tons and tons of those little things that we think add up to be big things as far as not just growth as a, as a basketball player, but growth as a human being. So I think it takes, um, I think it takes time invested in explaining You know what your program believes in Uh, we call it a win everything mindset meaning all these little daily habits that you do every single day add up to you you know having winning moments all day long they don't have anything to do with winning basketball games well maybe they do have a lot to do with that but really it's you know trying to help build the better human uh, day in and day out uh, that will then carry on after they graduate and they're going to be successful in their communities as leaders um, and there's powerful women who are going to be uh, impacting people around them.
0: Yeah, absolutely.' That's, that's amazing and it's awesome because you're able to talk about that. And do you kind of, do you see some of like the seniors like the more the players that have been around a little bit longer kind of preaching that as well so you kind of take a step back and what this could maybe be a player-led team culture sometimes. One of those coaches that I really admire is Coach Izzo at Michigan State. And sometimes he's like, sometimes I just need to take a step back and just let my players get involved, let my players talk to other players, let my players take over the huddle. Is that something that you have kind of noticed, especially building off this culture that you've built for – 26 plus
1: years. Yeah, I think as a, as a young coach, I'm not sure I understood um, all the benefits of that, right? You're young, you're brash. um, You think that you need to make all the decisions. Um, But I would say after, you know, probably my third or fourth year as the head coach, I started to realize the power of um, having a player led team. And I would say for, you know, 22 plus years, um, I think that my job is to help uh, grow leaders not make leaders, but grow leaders, um, give them opportunities. And certainly, you know, the longer you've been in our program, um, you know, the more familiar you are with, you know, the daily habits that it takes to be successful. And they're passing those down, uh, you know, one player to the next one class to the next, but we also don't want to stifle young players. Uh, you know, you may have a a freshman, who has this has great leadership ability, and you know we're, we don't we don't feel like they have to wait until their senior year to be a leader. If they've got uh, leadership ability, we want to grow that even as a freshman. And um, you know, I want to take freshmen on leadership retreats with me, or have them go on other leadership retreats without me, with other people that are just going to help them grow their skill set and refine it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that's awesome is that leadership can look completely different ways. You have some very vocal leaders that will step up and say things, but you also have leaders that show it by doing it. They might not be the most vocal player as well, but you also have those players that will just work really hard and while they don't say anything you still notice that leadership out there as well. And I'm sure you've noticed both different types of leaders as well on your team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think that all of those leadership types are important uh, because uh, different players on your team are gonna resonate with different types of leadership. And so providing that outlet for everybody to lead in their own way uh, is very important. I think the other piece, um, that a lot of times uh, coaches miss out on is uh, we talk a lot about followership and not leadership. And I mean, being a leader by example is only as good as the people around you noticing what you're doing and following that lead. Um, You know, same thing as far as like what you say, it's critical that you say the right things. It's critical that you um, gain the respect of the people in the room But if they aren't going to follow what you say, then it really isn't leadership. And so I think that leadership is critical from the standpoint of um, having the people that are around your leaders understand that one of the most uh, biggest attributes of a successful uh, team is not just having great leaders, but also having great followers.
0: Yeah, exactly. And those leaders should be more than willing to be able to take criticism as well because they're a leader and when the quote unquote followers they sometimes want to lead the practice you can have different leaders every single day which is how you kind of build build a culture is by having players step up and doing the right thing day yeah. in and day out
1: yep i i
0: Yeah, so we were we've been talking a little bit about culture and how it's very important. And while you do have a very good team culture, you also have a culture of winning basketball game and that basketball games and that really showed last year when you won the national championship for the second time. What was it like winning your second championship, especially after all the adversity you guys dealt with? Because you had two NCAA tournaments canceled due to COVID where a lot of people could maybe say that hope had one of the best teams in the country. So how did that feeling of finally getting that chance to win that national championship and accomplishing that, how did that feeling become reality? Like how was that feeling? It had to be absolutely incredible.
1: Well, I mean, so I've been to three final fours with our program. Um, one, one, uh, was runner up in, uh, 2010. And I think that this was such a unique feeling after we won it because, you know, I've known what it's like to lose the last game. I know what it's like to win the last game. Obviously, you, you know, it's a great feeling when you win, but I think that it was, because it was a buildup of three years, I think that the, the emotions were a lot more powerful um, with, with the three-year buildup because it wasn't like, hey, we're having a good year. Let's see if we can't run this thing all the way to the final. Um, it was unprecedented three years. And we need to validate this by winning a national championship because we didn't do that for the last two years, not not for reasons that were our fault, but like I, I, th- I felt like this, I guess pressure to like win it to kind of prove that the two two previous years were as special as what they appeared. And I think that that pressure and then winning it was more, I you don't know, it was sad. It was also the biggest ever experience.
0: Yeah, and you also had three super seniors come back as well. You had Kenny Schoenfeld, you had Olivia Vasco, you had Sydney Moeller, you had those three super seniors come back, so that that had to be a unique and cool experience to have them finally win it. While it is awesome that everyone else got to experience, they came back solely, I believe, well, one of the reasons probably was to win that national championship. Yeah, I think but you're, you're right. right. I think that, that, was, was, a, that was, a was a big push. push. I mean, I think that,
1: that, that... Uh, they had felt, um, I, if I say robbed, it's going to sound like they didn't have a good you know, junior and senior year, that's really not the word I'm looking for, but um, they they just felt like they had really an unfinished experience where they wanted to to test themselves against the very best in the United States. And um, however that might end up, they wanted some finality to a season and not have it be interrupted halfway through the tournament. Um, Whether it was winning or losing, they just wanted a chance to see a season all the way through to the end.
0: Yeah, especially after that amazing game in DeVos against Illinois Wesleyan, where I think you guys came back down at nine with less than three minutes ago, I believe. I remember that was an incredible game. I was at that game, and that was probably by far the loudest I've ever heard um, DeVos Fieldhouse.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, You know, I've been in that building since its inception in 2005, and, um, I've played in some great atmospheres. I've been to a lot of big men's games in that building, but um, you know, I, I I can I do not remember it ever that loud um, for you know really a three minute period even during timeouts um, we couldn't we couldn't even communicate during our timeouts and it was so loud but um, yeah thanks for remembering that that's uh, you know as I look back on my career uh, that's certainly. You know, one of the greatest games I was ever a part of, and I'm uh, greatest assistant coaches, coaches and uh, who really helped
0: to win that day. And,
1: uh, um, certainly, our players, our players really, uh, you know, showed up for the last uh, game, and you know, found a way.
0: Yeah, it was an absolutely incredible basketball game. Probably one of the best basketball games I've ever been to so af- so let's get back to a little bit about last year's national championship so after that national championship are you t- are you the type of coach that wanted to kind of take some time off especially after like a long couple of years or were you right into it like let's get ready for like next season because next because this year you guys are 28 days away four weeks from the basketball season starting
1: you you are you are correct. Um, you know, I, I think we had a we had a really unique um, sort of a post national championship experience because um, you know certainly you, you 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 ride the bus home from Pittsburgh, uh, you're celebrated. Uh, you know, there's a national championship celebration for our community, uh, which uh, so it kind of lingered on. Uh, we had the Hopies, which is like the ESPYs on our campus. And that was a fun night where we were, uh, we were rewarded with, uh, you know, some trophies and recognition, but, you know, as that's happening, we're also trying to put the finishing touches on recruiting classes. So we're still recruiting, uh, you know, this spring we're, we're already rolling with recruiting the 2023 class and the 2024 class. So, you know, we couldn't really take a whole lot of time off, um, uh, But it was fun to, uh, you know, have our players receive some of the accolades that they did, and rightly so, uh, as far as national awards.
0: Yeah, you guys absolutely deserved it because you just had an incredible year. You had a very long win streak of 61 games, which is a huge accomplishment in itself. And you also had to play Trine four times. And you beat them three times. Can you kind of talk a little bit about having to play the same opponent four different times? Because that has to be hard. You guys have to know exactly what each team are going to do. So how do you prepare for that? How do do you change anything? Or do you like where we like what we have and we're just going to kind of run with it because we've been successful with what we've had?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. And, um, you know, you're the first person that's asked me that. And I think it is like actually one of the most important questions uh, for our national championship run. So um, our goal was to not change too much heading to the final four. But we also knew that we were playing, you know, one of the toughest I've ever gone up against. And, you know, every game just got closer and tighter and tougher. And, um, and so, you know, I think that as we're going through that, we knew that we had to add a couple of wrinkles. And so we added, uh, I think, three baseline out-of-bounds plays, and we added um, three sets, uh, just three set plays that we thought we could go to that they hadn't seen before uh, that, would, that might be something that we could score on. And, uh, you know, obviously that's a really close game. Um, and I think that we scored nine points off of the new stuff that we put in, which ended up being a, a super important, uh, part to us winning, obviously in a game that was that close. And I give great credit to my assistant coaches, Kyle Lurvey, uh, Courtney Cust. uh, you know, Courtney put in some of the baseline. She runs all of our special team stuff. Uh, and then, um, we uh we, we put in three other set plays that were sort of uh coach Carlson coach Costin, coach Lurvie, and myself uh, working together and coming up with some stuff that we thought might work.
0: yeah and it seems like it works very successfully and one thing that a lot of people might not know, especially about last year's team if you didn't watch your team is you had a little bit different of a coaching style and how you kind of substituted last year, you kind of did more of like a hacky rotation. If I had to like where five players come off the court, five players come on the court. Why did you kind of make that type of coaching decision? And did having a group like the chaos crew make that easier for you, knowing that they could come in and you guys weren't really losing a step. And you guys knew that the chaos crew would cause major issues, especially on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the the chaos crew uh, played very very well together, and um, and so did our starters. And the the whole thing came out of COVID. So during COVID, um, like you know, we if we remember back to that, you know, we were practicing in mass. There was uh, something called close contacts. So like, you you were like, if the person that you were guarding got um, got COVID like you could you could be deemed a close contact if you practiced against them for more time uh, than, a, than a certain allocated time so we also sat them together on the buses and so by doing that we kind of created these mini teams as a result of COVID and the idea was alright we were doing it to try to keep us safe and not have them, um, you know, sort of infect each other, sit at different spots in the bus and that kind of stuff. What happened out of that is that because they practiced together every day, we started started to develop these separate identities between the two groups. And we decided that they played so well together that we were going to start to actually play them in, um, in groupings instead of subbing, uh, you know, two players and then keeping three players on and then gradually subbing other players in. So as that continued to evolve, um, we had, um, we had sort of a, um, we had sort of a, uh, identity that formed between all of those players. And as we kept going, um, you know, they just kind of, that's where the chaos crew was born and they just played a really unique style where they knew each other so well. Um, you know, they played, you know, our, our starters play pretty fast, but you know, our chaos crew played even faster and they just developed this sixth sense, uh, with each other of always knowing where each other were. And it was like, they didn't even look where they were passing. They just knew, um, kind of where they were. And like you would see them make blind passes and you're like, how did she see her? But they just had this sense of each other. Then in January, unfortunately, Savannah Feenstra tore her ACL. And so we had to make some decisions. And what we decided to do was keep our starters together, but then only sub four players and then um, augment that with Sidney Muller and uh, Kennedy Schoonveld, kind of splitting that time that um, that Savannah had, and we also had to move some people around. So we moved Hannah Smith to the five position where Savannah had been, and then we played um, Claire Bagley some at the four position. We played Kenny Schoonveld some at the four position, and so then we started to juggle our lineups a little bit from the pure chaos group, but we still tried to keep them together as much as we could.
0: Yeah, that, that makes absolute sense. And speaking of Hannah Smith, Kennedy Schoenfeld, all all like the super seniors, the seniors last year, they're they've gra- they've graduated. So it's gonna look a completely a little different of a team and that's what happens every year. You always have players graduate. So who are some players heading into this year that you think that hope fans should watch out for? And what are you looking forward to the most now having a couple of key starters moving on to not being on the basketball team anymore?
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, every year is a new year, right? So, um, exactly, you know, every year, we've graduated really good players before, whether it was Amanda Kirkstra, our all-time leading scorer, Maura McAfee, our all-time leading scorer. Um, and, you know, I, I think that um, this stuff happens. Uh, but obviously I want to recognize, like, that was a pretty incredible senior class. I mean, yes, you've got Sidney Muller, Kennedy, uh, Hannah Smith, Casey DeSmith, uh, Kate Majerus. Um, you know, I, I that's just, I just a crazy, crazy group of talented players. Um, you know, the, the good thing is, is that Kate Majeris has decided to come back for a fifth year. So it's not a complete graduation. Um, and certainly her shooting ability and her calm and um, leadership are going to be a valued part to add to Meg Morehouse and Ella McKinney. Uh, Claire Bagley, you know, I think that that will uh, certainly be super valuable. And then if we can get Savannah back from her ACL, um, you know, I I like the looks of that group. Uh, We're just going to have to have some of our younger players develop and be able to kind of develop into their own, like, hopefully mini chaos group.
0: Exactly. And having Kate Majerus back, I think she sat about – 35 40 percent from three or around there maybe maybe I'm a little off from last year having yeah hurt. she
1: actually led the nation in three-point shooting for two years in a row at uh, at a ridiculous 50 percent from three. so um, like it was a it's a crazy stat because people don't shoot that from three but uh, you know she she just uh, she didn't miss and obviously that stretched the floor for other people around her.
0: Exactly, and you were talking about um, having Meg Moorehouse back, um, your your daughter. How has it been having to coach her a little bit now that she's at she's at Hope? It has to be a pretty unique experience, finally coaching your own daughter. I know that we've seen college coaches coach their sons, daughters, cousins, all that like. You got Tom Izzo, you got Mike Traskeski, you got mm-hmm. um, you got Beeline over mm-hmm. in Syracuse. It has to be a pretty cool experience to finally say, "Hey, you know what? My my own daughter, my own son, I'm finally getting to coach them in college."
1: Yeah, it's been incredible. Um, you know, I actually when when she was trying to make her decision on whether she was going to, you know, take scholarship offers and go other places, or come to Hope and play. Um, You know, one of the people I called was uh, Vic Schaefer, and Vic was uh, the coach at Mississippi State, and he recently took the job at Texas for women's basketball, and his daughter Blair played for him, and she was a very good player. Um, She wasn't the best player on the team, but she was an important cog to what they were doing. And I just asked him, you know, like, what was it like Uh, would he recommend it? Um, you know, do you, did, did he think, um, you know, if he had to do it all over again, would he do it? I had Blair talk to Meg, um, and just kind of share what it was like. Um, I was in a unique, um, I, I was, uh, I was in a unique position because I played for my dad. So I'd kind of been through that. I knew what it was like. um, and so, yeah, I mean, we we consulted with some different people. But in the end, um, I didn't even recruit Meg. Um, only my assistant coaches talked to her about her decision and recruited her. And, and I was just kind of trying to play the role as her dad during that whole process.
0: Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. So mm-hmm. going to kind of step back a little bit and look at the bigger picture of your coaching career because you've had a very long successful coaching career. Hopefully you have many, many more years as well because I know the Hope community loves what you do. I know the players love what you do. I know that you give back to the community as well. I've I've just heard absolutely incredible things about you as a coach, as an individual from talking with the players I've I've known a couple of players as well. So like kind of like looking back at your coaching 26 years, what would you say maybe are some of like the proudest moments you have had as a coach? I know we did talk about the Illinois Wesleyan game, probably Mm -hmm. the two national championships are there. But is there any like, do you have like a story, anything that, you know, like maybe this isn't known, but you're like as head coach, you're like, that is a moment I'll never forget.
1: Yeah, the the best game I have ever been a part of was the Sweet 16 game in 2006. Um we were playing Washington University in St. Louis at DePaul. Um they were the number I don't know, like 4 ranked team in the country. Uh we were like number 6. Um DePaul was number 3, I want to say, in the nation. And so it was crazy, the amount of, like, talented teams. Uh, Wash U was coming off national championships. Uh, like, they were the, they were the Tennessee, uh, you know, of the 2000s. And, um, like, Tennessee was in the 90s. And UConn is now. Like, that was Wash U. And just a great game. It ended up being in the 90s. Like, just shots going in from everywhere. Two really good defensive teams. They have a Hall of Fame coach uh, who nobody gets their teams ready better than Nancy Faye. He did, um, and you know we just played. We we balled out, man. We played like the best game. Uh, we had to play every bit of that, um, you know, to win. And we we played just one of the most magnificent games. And then we had to turn around the next morning and prep for DePaul, who was ranked super high and. Beat them on their home floor that afternoon, so uh, it was it was a crazy weekend. Um, I kind of think that we won the national championship in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Um, not not to take anything away from the Final Four, but like I thought that those games in the Sweet 16 were some of the toughest that we've ever played in my career.
0: Yeah, and you see tournament games in any level of basketball before the national championship game, and you. You say, "Wow, like that's probably the best game of the whole tournament." Like mm-hmm. the, you don't. There's now a whole, and this again, I agree with you. This is no like shot at any other teams in the national tournament, national title game, nothing. But you see some games where you're like, "There's no way the national championship can oh can overcome that, can be a better game." Now we did. Now we've seen some national championships do that like when north carol north carolina we've seen some national championships as well but sometimes those sweet 16 elite eight final four games are just a lot more memorable or well known like michigan state duke that was probably one of the i'm a big michigan state fan but that's one of the best um, basketball games i've ever seen and that was the elite eight
1: yeah uh you know i think I think that you can, you can certainly lose a national championship in the previous rounds. Right. Um, But sometimes the toughest game that you play and win um, isn't always in the national championship game. It's in a, it's in a previous game. And um, you know, that just sometimes like, I I think it takes, uh, I think it takes three things to win a national championship health, um, a little bit of luck and, you can't have a bad seven minutes. Like, you can have a bad two minutes, you can have a bad three minutes, but, like, you can't have a bad seven minutes and recover because you're not going to win those games.
0: Exactly. So I got one last um, big-picture question, and then after that I got one final question. And this next question is going to be, when you decide to finally call it, A coaching career which could be at any time but um what are some of the things that you hope that players and fans remember about your time at Hope like once you call it a career let's say after you do that you come back 10-15 years later what would you want some of your players or fans saying about your time at Hope?
1: You know I think that I cared about them more as people than I did as players I think that's a big one um, I think the other part would be that I helped help to develop them into strong, uh, women with incredible leadership skills that they could just take into the next phase of their life as they led their families, uh, as they were, uh, leaders in their, in their businesses, um, in their professions, um, and also just leaders in their community, whether that's doing, uh, helping out people that, um, are, are have less than they do Um, you know just making sure that it isn't all about them but it's about making everyone around them better and hopefully I've been able to build those um, build those characteristics into our players because you know the basketball stuff the wins and the losses like those are done the day that you graduate but like the the life skills you know hopefully they're going to go out and impact people around them you know for the rest of their lives.
0: Yeah, and I think you've been very successful at doing that. Like I've said pr- prior in the podcast, you've made, you've helped coach, you helped teach several players at, that I've personally met that are some of the nicest people, that are some of the most helpful people I've ever met. Um, I, Kate Majerus is one of them. She uh, she lived right across the hall from me, and she was always incredibly kind always helpful was always uh, was always 10 minutes early if we would ever if like our friend group would like ever hang out you've just been so successful and been doing it for so long i definitely think you've made a very strong and deep impact in not only the players lives but i think the people that the players meet in the future and i at me and the hope community appreciate everything you do and we hope you stick around for quite a bit longer
1: I, I appreciate that you know I love my job um, and I'm fortunate that I've been surrounded by like great players who come from great families and certainly have a great coaching staff uh, so for me um, you know the idea is to do it at the very top of my abilities for as long as I can but you know when when I'm no longer, when I start to lose some of my energy, when I start to, you know, not want to, you know, put everything I have into every practice and everything, I'll know it's time to be done. But I think I'm a ways away from that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm going to go into the last question. But before I ask it, I do want to say thank you again so much for joining the podcast. It's been absolutely incredible talking to you about your basketball program, learning about the different culture, and how you coach. So it's been absolutely incredible learning that's, learning all about that, and well, it's been a great Yeah,
1: time. I, I really appreciate you reaching out and giving, giving us the opportunity to chat about something I have a passion for, and I, I really appreciate that you have an appreciation for it. Uh, it's a it's a great combo tonight
0: yeah absolutely so the last question is more of a kind of like fun question but um so when you're not coaching are there like any sports you other sports you enjoy watching are you mainly just basketball do you have like a favorite team in any of those sports or is it mainly, mainly basketball
1: no i i love athletics um you know i i I didn't understand soccer for the longest time and my daughter played in high school and I gained a great appreciation for the game of soccer. But if you had to if you had to hold me to one thing, um, I love the Detroit Tigers um, and I love baseball. Uh, I've been to every major league stadium except for five. I have five left to go and I have gone to all of them with my two best friends and we still uh, we have to hit Seattle and four four uh, teams in California, and we'll have visited every major league baseball team, um, and and their parks. So that's been a great uh, that's been a great thing to do. Um, I mean, it's, it. I'm I'm pained by the fact that the Tigers have not been better. But today is a new day. Today they hired a GM, Scott Harris, and we are back. We are going to win. We are going to develop a program and the glory days of the Tigers are about to return.
0: I I absolutely agree, and I was just going to bring up that fact that they hired Scott Harris. I absolutely love that hire. He's done great things as a GM of the Giants, so hopefully the Tigers will be back because for the longest time, the Tigers have been very good, In the last, like, six, seven years, they haven't been very good, but I definitely think Detroit sports are – on the up and up. So one last question. I know you're a big baseball fan. Do you have a favorite stadium that you visit? Is it Comerica just because you're such a big Tigers fan? Or would you say there's another stadium that you're like, I like this a little bit better, even though I'm a Tigers fan?
1: Well, I want to say Comerica, but I can't because I don't really love it. Um, I I love Tiger Stadium. um, And I tolerate Comerica. But I think there's some things I would change if I was the new GM. But we don't have to go there. I'm going to break it into two separate categories. I'm going to go old school stadium, right? And if I'm going old school stadium, I'm going Fenway Park with a close runner-up, very close runner-up of Wrigley Field.
0: Oh, absolutely. Completely agree with those two.
1: Now, new, new, okay? Okay. I've got a tie. I've got a tie for my new stadiums, and that is going to be uh, PNC in Pittsburgh and um, Minnesota. I love their new stadium. I love those two. And then I would go with a, um, I would go with a, I, I don't know how, where, I guess I got to go old school with this one, even though I still think of it as not being old, but I do love Camden Yards in Baltimore.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've only been to one. I'm a big baseball, I am a big baseball fan. I went to several Lansing Lugnuts games, which I'm right by. I've been to the White Caps games. I've been to Toledo Mud Hens games. I've been to the Tigers games. But outside of that, I haven't been to any other parks. I would love to go see w- Wrigley Field. I'd love to go see a Yankees Red Sox game, just because I think you kind of have to go to one if you're a baseball fan. I'd love to see that. But yeah, I've heard a lot of people especially complaining about how deep center field it is in America.
1: Yeah, it's just weird, honestly. Um, But you know what? Um, Toledo has a great stadium. Like, I love going there. That place is awesome. And I've never been to a Lugnuts game, um, but I think the Whitecaps have a really nice stadium. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that, you know, you're seeing some of the local flavor and you can really see some of the talent as it gets better. As you uh, you know, as they're as they're growing and, and improving
0: on their way to Comerica, exactly. And I would definitely recommend going to Longnecks game if you ever do have a chance. It's a pretty nice stadium. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun. I do. I think I've gone to thirteen game, like about ten to thirteen games, and they've only lost once. Then oh. I've been there. So, but every single Tigers game I've been to, they haven't won. So I think. I think I'm lucky with the minor league teams, not, not the major league teams. So. Well, if the,
1: if, if the Lugans knew what they were doing, they would give you um, a lifetime season ticket pass so that they would win more. So that you would, if you go to the games, they win. So then they would win more games.
0: Yeah. The, we, we went to six last year, and the sixth time the, um, like the announcer guy came down. And, well, like, every single game we've been to, um won, and he's like, if you come back to a seventh, we'll give you free tickets. But we never made it to a seventh because that's it, was like, awesome. man, it was the end of the season. so That's awesome. It, it was cool. I'm a big baseball fan. Hopefully the Tigers get better coming up because I think that's best for the city of Detroit, state of Michigan. But, yeah, uh, again, I appreciate everything you have done for hope i wish you and your program the best this year i will definitely be tuning in i'm hoping to possibly attend a few games this year if that doesn't happen i'll be watching the live stream like i typically am but yeah best of luck this year and thank you so much again for joining the podcast coach morehouse
1: you got it man i appreciate it if you if you decide that you're going to head towards Holland and go to a game, hit me up. I'd like to, I'd like to make sure you're on the, on the ticket list so you, that you don't have to pay and we'd love to host you.
0: Absolutely. I really do appreciate that. And 28, 28 days, coach Morhouse, 28 days until basketball is back.
1: 28 days. I can't wait. Countdowns on. Thanks a lot. And have a great night. Appreciate Thank your time.
0: You. Thank you. You too.